Welcome to the Jim Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And I'm Tony Marinucci, aka Tips with Tony, your registered dietitian. And we are the Jim Wits. So I had a had a, a terrifying and annoying situation happen today. Um, do either of you guys use like a password app, like something to store all of your passwords? I should. Okay, so I use I use one called one one password, which is which is excellent. So I don't want to disparage the product too much, but um. I've been using it for a couple years now, and for a time, like to get your passwords, you had to type in a password. Uh, but then, with you know, when the, with the newer iPhones, you could just use the Touch ID. So for who knows how long, I've just been using Touch ID. Now, I use kind of a standard password for most of my stuff, um, and I guess I just assume that's what I use for one password. So today, I was lo- I had to log in to to find a password for something. And I started to do it, and I accidentally hit the button that prompts you to switch from Touch ID to manual, but then it won't let you switch back. And so I typed in the password I thought I had, and it wasn't the right password, and I freaked out. And then I tried, at some point, I wrote out like all these different configurations of all these different things that I could, that could potentially be it, and nothing worked. And I literally spent three hours, luckily, I checked out off the setting on the password uh, on the app that would make it so that it like deletes itself after three like wrong attempts. Like you can do it so that if you have a number of you know wrong attempts, it'll just delete the whole thing. So I didn't have that checked off. So I got unlimited tries, but it took me like three hours until I finally figured it out. And it was like, if there's one password I use way too much, that was like the second password. And somehow that was the one thing of the like maybe few hundred configurations that I didn't try, but thankfully I was able to get my uh, password There back. was no one you could like call? No, well that's the other thing is you go into the app, so I logged in, I went into the website, you know, like how do you recover a password and they said, and it says like, there, there's no way to recover. Basically, you try everything you can possibly try, otherwise you're out of luck because for your security, we don't store this online, it's not on our server, it's not stored locally, so if you don't know it, then best thing is to just delete the app and start over. That's why I could never have that app. <laughs> I hate I to say it, but do you know what this is sounding a lot like? What? What? I, I think we all know. <laughs> what? I think we all know. So you can't have. You're having trouble logging into your passwords. You know, fi- figuring out your passwords to get into all of your modern. You know technology stuff that makes your life very convenient you're saying first world problems problems. (laughs) yes but you know now come to think about it it's not really that much of a first world problem because this is probably anywhere you go everyone is is linked up right maybe there's some people that not everyone has has a smartphone phone or their life relies on computers but almost everywhere you go right this is your link to to the world your work right so this is not and while it is yes in general it is a convenience and the fact that we're able to have our technology do so much for us and help us with the work it, it's like a half world, first world problem no. well yes you know it we're certainly more convenient and we're we have and the fact that we're we have access to it makes it a little bit of a first world problem but really it's necessary and passwords it I don't know about all our listeners, all you guys out there. I have spent way too much time trying to remember passwords, password resets, this and that. It's really a headache. Well, no, it's the definition of a first world problem because in in our society, I mean, so much of our lives is online and with every every, um, venue or website or job or uh, whatever it is, you have to have some kind of a password and account. Uh, It seems like you can't go anywhere without the account. So you really... The, these password managers become necessary to kind of participate in our society in some ways. And so 
um, I find mo for the most part one password is very um, effective. There's other ones similar because it's lot it's loaded into the app so that if you're on like your smartphone and you have to log in a password, you can find the password through the app without even like opening the app. So it makes things very easy. So yeah, it is a first world problem. But as part of this first world, uh, we kind of need it. And uh, so it's just a frustration of crap. I'm gonna lose all my passwords. I'm gonna contact all these different places and do the whole forget your password. And then I, I work for a couple of gyms where I'm gonna have to contact their IT department for the IT department to reset the password and that becomes a hassle so um, luckily it was averted and I'm gonna I got to decide whether I use my generic password so that if somebody does find it and they do know my generic password they'll just be able to get in or if I stick with this one and hope that I don't forget that this is a password I use the next time I have to enter in the password <laughs> it just sounds so complicated <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, um, what do we have on tap for today? I'm supposed to ask that question. Um, we've got a, a great interview where we talk about Pilates with Trish DeCosta, right? Okay, I'm pronouncing it right. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun, t a fun chat where we had to talk a little bit about Pilates. Um, how, kind of, it, it is in itself a little bit of a buzzword. So, we talk a little about what Pilates encompasses, how it can help you, and it's specifically how it can help people who weightlift, which um, we typically don't connect Pilates with weightlifting. So, uh, it's a great chat. So, sit back, listen, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. We are here with Trish DaCosta. How's it going, Trish? It's going great. Um, I feel like the heat in San Diego is finally dying down a little bit. So oh, nice. Managing. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It, it's awful here in New York, and one thing that you'll um, you'll notice if you listen to a, a bunch of our interviews, we're always complaining about the weather, right? So if it's during winter, we're complaining about the snow. We had a this really weird winter where it was just like snowing constantly, but not like fun snow, like really gross snow. And now it's super humid, and it's like been raining sheets over here in New York. So I guess uh, I, I guess you can't you know you can't escape it, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to live in New York. I'm from the East Coast originally. So yeah. I feel like I moved out here to get away from all that. And now somehow, you know, now we have humidity all of a sudden. And that's yeah, just, yeah. that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I feel you. I'd love to go to San Diego. I hear it's beautiful out there most of the year. Oh, you have to. You'll, you'll never want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Trish is the founder of Barbell Pilates, um, barbellpilates.com. She's a Pilates instructor as well as a trainer. So the, the first thing we always ask is to tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, fitness. Oh, man. Oh, I'll try to make this really short because it's been a lifetime. <laughs> um, I've kind of been involved in fitness forever. I started really young, just kind of doing martial arts, Taekwondo specifically. And that's actually when I got into teaching fitness because at a very early age, I became uh, uh, an instructor and I was teaching the kids, the kids and the adults martial arts. So that's kind of where I got my first taste of it. And then after college, I started doing just group fitness, like spin classes and so on. And I eventually got certified in personal training, um, but kind of maintained it as like a part-time gig because I really loved it. And I was, you know, I still had a corporate job and all that stuff. So um, fitness has always been a passion of mine, obviously not just training, but always learning about it. Like even when I worked in corporate America, I was... Um, going to workshops with like Tony Gillencore and reading everything that Mike Boyle put out, you know, like I was still constantly researching on my own just for fun. So um, a couple of years ago, I left corporate America and started Barbell Pilates um, full time and started also training and teaching full time. So that's kind of the short version of how I got into fitness and training and Pilates, how I got into Pilates was kind of accidental, but I, I also did get certified in Pilates training. Um, and it's been kind of a fun ride ever since. So, so tell us about that. How, I guess, how did you discover Pilates and I guess, how does one accidentally find it? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. Cause, um, well at the time, 
Pilates just wasn't super accessible. It's like Pilates is very well known to be kind of this like really expensive exercise method that like celebrities used, at least when I was in my 20s. So when I first discovered it, I was living in Boston. I was going to a commercial gym and they had like a mat Pilates class. And I thought, great, I could really use some core work. And that's actually how a lot of people, in fact, women especially get into Pilates because they're like, oh yeah, abs. I hear there's a lot of abs in Pilates. <laughs> so that's how so a lot of people stumble into it. And then I would kind of just do it on and off over the years. Like I never really took it seriously because I just never looked into it. Then um, as I started getting certified, and it was kind of also accidentally that I got certified in it, like I just was looking for something else to teach and Pilates was interesting to me. I didn't really want to get into yoga. Um, and it kind of just evolved and snowballed from there. But also at the time I started doing Olympic weightlifting. Um, I dabbled in CrossFit and I had this like nagging shoulder injury. It was like a shoulder impingement that just would not go away no matter how much rest I gave it what I was doing. And I think I was like 27 and I'm thinking I'm way too young to be feeling this sort of pain and not be able to overhead press. This is ridiculous. So as I was doing all of my Pilates teacher training and, you know, doing a mentorship with a, a master instructor, um, I was also practicing Pilates regularly. And I just accidentally realized that I was like rehabbing my shoulder injury and everything else that I was doing, all the running and the lifting that I was doing was improving and feeling a lot better. And I think that's when it finally clicked that I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually something here. I wish all my other strength friends and like CrossFit friends, you know, had access to this because so many of them are complaining about the same issues, the shoulder injuries, the back pain. And like all those things I was kind of just solving on my own by consistently following a Pilates practice. That was actually how barbellpilates.com was born. <laughs> cool. So I guess there's a, a bunch to unpack um, from that. Uh, so I guess my first question, I guess since you're already talking about Barbell Pilates, uh, mm -hmm. maybe explain – so I guess is does your program combine – the weightlifting with the Pilates or is it more using the Pilates in a way that's kind of complementary towards the weightlifting? And then maybe tell us a little bit more about the program and how it, how it would work for somebody who's let's say an Olympic lifter or a weightlifter or bodybuilder who, who maybe doesn't really see the value in Pilates. Oh yeah, totally. So I actually use Pilates to complement someone's strength training. So being a trainer and like someone who does powerlifting and stuff, like I'm a strength girl. I love to lift. Like that's my that's my number one thing. But with age and with years and years of you beating up your body in that way or moving in the same um, movement plane over and over, you start to get you know the same injuries, the same stiffness, the same mobility issues that you know not just for me, but that I see across the board with anyone who's in like, the strength or barbell world. So what I've done is, you know, I've, I either work with athletes who really need something like a mobility training plan, but they don't necessarily want to be doing drills. Like they, they still want to feel like they're working out. And so Pilates is a great complement to really any kind of fitness activity, um, whether you're a runner or a cyclist. And because it doesn't beat up your body, it still feels like a workout and it, it really takes care of a lot of the, the issues that I would say 99% of the population experiences, which is, you know, stiffness in their spine, ankle and feet mobility issues, shoulder mobility issues, or, or stability, core activation, all those things. Um, and it just makes you think of your movement quality and your control totally different than what you would get out of a strength training program. Cause you know, when you lift, like, you're thinking about your technique and form and all that stuff. You might have tempo or to think about, but you're also thinking about, I need to move this weight and lift it. Like you're thinking about powering through an exercise. You're not thinking about say, you know, is my breathing in sync with this movement and is my pelvic placement correct? And do I know how to actually turn on this or that muscle um, to stabilize me during this movement. You know what I mean? So it's really, it takes care of the details um, that strength training misses. And what most people don't know about Pilates, and this is one of the things that really drew me to it, is that 
the creator of it, um, Joseph Pilates, when he created this method, it was never meant to be like this standalone exercise or fitness regimen. It was, it was meant to complement all the other stuff he was doing. You know, he was a, he was an athlete himself. He dabbled in gymnastics. He was a skier and, and a diver and, and, and so forth. So it was meant to complement all of his activities. So yes, I do offer, I, I also use Pilates um, with a lot of my clients, um, either as part of their warm up. Um, I might just use a few principles or exercises. It just depends on kind of like what they need the most, um, especially if they're coming to me specifically, you know, I just want to get strong or I want to get fit or lose weight. I'm not going to spend all of our time doing Pilates because that probably might not fit with their goal. But in terms of prehabbing or rehabbing or teaching them, you know, how to move their spine correctly or something like that, I use Pilates in like little drills or little exercises. So let's, it all sounds fantastic. Let's take a, a step back. Okay. So I'm trying to, to picture what Pilates is. Now I've, I've, I've seen some of the, um, some of the, the, the machines that are used, but mm-hmm. maybe not everyone actually knows what it is or what the exercises are. Or, yeah. or how it's done. So could you give us a brief explanation of what Pilates is and how it works? Because we sort of skipped over that. And I think that's that's kind of important so we could get a visual. Yeah, definitely. This is actually one of the toughest questions I think every Pilates expert instructor faces because the description is so vague. Um, so I'll do my best to kind of describe it. So all in all, Pilates is like a, it's a total body conditioning method that focuses on strengthening, lengthening uh, your muscles all at once. It develops coordination, stability, and control simultaneously. So with that description, it could really be anything. So how I like to think of it is um, a lot of people compare it to yoga. They'll say like, oh, Pilates, it's like yoga, right? But for abs. <laughs> and what it really is, it's it. there is like a sequence of movements, but it's definitely a lot of you're not holding poses. It's really meant to just flow. And there's a huge emphasis on like spinal movement and joint stability and joint control. Um, but you, even though those things are emphasized in a Pilates, like say class or, or, or exercise, you're not really thinking about those things because you're so focused on like the quality of the movement or the breadth of the movement and just trying to gain control of of like these smaller muscles. So I like to think of say, um, a really easy example. Well, I hope it's easy. So you let me know if it doesn't make sense, but is think of, uh, your basic gym crunch, right? We go into the gym and you see people and they're kind of like just cranking at the neck or they're jamming their chest forward towards, towards their thighs. And they're like, this is my ab exercise. And in Pilates, there's something we call the C curl, which is a position, which is basically a flexed position of the spine. And we're trying to create the C shape or C curve in our spine. And it comes back again and again and again on pretty much every single exercise in Pilates. Um, So what we're teaching in say C curl is to take someone away from their usual gym crunch and teach them the full purpose of the exercise, which is not just one abdominal, um, I guess, exercise, but all of the abdominals. How can you stretch and open up the back and the spine in flexion while also turning on your TA and all the other core muscles that you need to flex your spine, like how to move your rib cage so that you can maximize the stretch portion of the exercise, but also the, the muscle portion of the exercise. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I have a question about how you mentioned that it helps with the, with your shoulder. Cause I know that Pilates is great for the core, which having a strong core supports your back. Mm -hmm. But can you explain how it would help heal someone's shoulder? Because honestly, when you were talking, like I'm 28, my right shoulder, like there keeps happening with something. So I felt like you were describing me and I'm just trying to figure (laughs) out like if Pilates could actually help my shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, 
Joseph Pilates is kind of considered uh, like a grandfather of, or the godfather of, of physical therapy. And when you learn some basic Pilates exercises for like the shoulder joint, you and you've done any physical therapy for the shoulder, you're like, huh, these are very similar. And that's because that's purposeful. <laughs> um, so use of Pilates, especially with the equipment, like the reformer, or the Cadillac, there's these very light springs or resistance. And there are these exercises that specifically are meant to just work all the little muscles around the shoulder. So I think a, a, something I see a lot, and this happened to me, and it probably led to part of my shoulder injury, was that I had really rounded shoulders, like that internally rotate shoulders from just sitting at a desk all the time. And my traps are super overactive um, and they take over everything. But my my poor rhomboids, you know, just are always late to the party and don't do its job. So things like that um, is Pilates kind of teaches you without you even realizing because you're doing these very small micro movements sometimes with very light resistance to just activate these little muscles that probably just have a harder time activating and doing its job and readjusting you. So there's a lot of exercises in, ter- in Pilates that are also very focused on your spine. I mean, every exercise is focused on your spine and Pilates. And that's, that's another thing that contributes to a lot of shoulder impingement or shoulder pain. And it, it was one of the things that contributed to my problems, just having a really stiff back, not being able to open up my chest, not being able to extend my spine. And therefore, you know, my scapula had just moved in this really suboptimal position and and couldn't really move. I think when I first started teaching Pilates or or rather when I first got certified, I had kind of like a winged scapula. And with time, I've been able to correct that by doing Pilates. I haven't actually done any physical therapy, even though I'm not saying Pilates should replace physical therapy. However, a lot of physical therapists do end up sending their clients or their patients to us as part of their rehab program after a certain time so that they can can keep up with um, whatever it is that they were that they were taught during their physical therapy does that help yeah yeah. I can clarify more no it's perfect thank you so so I have a question so with your uh, program for weightlifters um, how does it differ from traditional Pilates like is there anything you do specifically that that focuses more on people that lift weights versus like somebody who's you know traditional just i want to go to pilates to to work on my core you know just get you know increase neuromuscular control like is there is there a difference or is it mostly the same well my program so i have this online course it's called pilates flow wad and when i made it it was specific to like people that love to lift and weightlifters crossfitters and so forth and I mean, I stick true to the Pilates method. Like I'm not getting cutesy and doing my own spin on exercises. I'm really teaching Pilates in the most traditional um, way that it was created by Joseph Pilates. However, the way I teach it and it really in the program, but also just, you know, if I was working with a, a strength athlete, I teach it in a way that it relates to, um, or explain it in a way that relates back to their sport. So, you know, when I when I think about, you know, say a, a squat, for instance, or someone has some ankle mobility issues, and I'm like, okay, so in this exercise, yes, we're focused on core, we have shoulder stability happening at the same time. But in just the subtle movement of the ankle, working dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, you're also doing XYZ. This is mobilizing your spine. There's all this type of footwork in Pilates that happens in various exercises or that happen on some of the equipment. Um, kind of lost my train of thought there, but it, it does. I, I think it's more of just the translation. If, if that makes sense, like there aren't that many Pilates instructors that have a background in, um, in weightlifting or in CrossFit or in powerlifting. It doesn't mean that they don't know, a lot of the issues that we go through physically, but maybe they can't 
talk to that population as well, mainly because they just have, they don't do those types of exercises. So I think that's what makes my program different that I'm really Hmm. looking at what are the biggest issues that lifters face. And, you know, it's a hip mobility issue. Um, it's a core stability issue for many, for many people, which can lead into the hip mobility problems. Um, it's definitely shoulder health. It's, um, it's also ankle and, and foot joint stability there. So I kind of address those big and spine um, and address all those big points in relation to how they move in the weight room. Hmm. So um, I never knew that Pilates was actually just named after or it was a guy's name. D- d- yeah. do, you, do you think that there was a guy somewhere back in the day named like John Weightlifting and that's how <laughs> weightlifting came to be? Hey, it's possible. I mean, I you never think about the names of things at all because you're just like, oh yeah, kettlebells. Like, maybe, is there a guy named Kettlebells? Maybe there kettlebells? was like Linda Kettlebells or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that in, in fact, actually, it, the Pilates method wasn't called that when he was alive. He called it controlology, hmm. um, which is so not a cool name. If you ask. <laughs> but I actually, but, actually think having done a little Pilates, I think that's so a really appropriate name because I think my you know, you always hear, as you mentioned, you know, like like Pilates is good for the core. And so a lot of people, that's the primary objective. And I'm sure for you, even as an instructor, it could be a little difficult if, if they think they're going to get like a ripped uh, six pack doing Pilates. Yeah. But the controlology actually makes sense because, again, I've only did it like I did about 10 sessions with somebody who was like doing their instructor training. And I felt like that was the thing that I got out of it was control. It was like learning how to control your body. That was the the real value more than like really anything else really just taught me again, like how to control myself when I'm sitting down or when I'm in certain, you know, certain positions just really helped with that. I I think a a better name would have been actually, uh, Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, control, control, ology is just a hard (laughs) word to say. It could have been like contrology. There's an extra all in there. That's like unnecessary, like contrology. I think yeah, it's just too hard to say. (laughs) So, um, you, you focus a lot of well well clearly your your focus is towards um, weightlifters strength athletes but oftentimes th- th- those athletes people that are really into their weightlifting or bodybuilding would might look at Pilates and say oh I, I, you know I don't need that right what well, you know this is something that, that that's not for me so how do you convince people who are very set in their ways whether they do a crossfit or they're a bodybuilder or a powerlifter how do you convince them that Pilates is a is a wonderful supplement for what they do oh man that's that's a tough one <laughs> because um There are a couple of ways. One, I find that the people that reject Pilates the most are, they tend to be younger. They're like the young, like early 20 something, nothing wrong with that. I mean, but at that age, like you're healthy, like you can, you can crush three hour workouts and then have a few beers and go out the next night. Like you, you just crush life basically. So those are the folks I think that are rejected because they just, they don't feel like they need it. The ones that tend to um, come to Pilates come to me usually because they've had an injury or they're starting to get older and they're realizing like, oh, crap, I have no flexibility or my lifting's getting a little sloppy or like I'm constantly like achy or, or something. And they don't know what else to do because they're, they're maybe they're doing like hip flexor stretches all the time or they do a little bit of yoga, but they don't really love it. They don't really stick with it. Um, so I think it, it, it's tough because I, I introducing Pilates to the weight training world, um, is kind of new. I mean, a lot of athletes do do Pilates, but it's like something that I don't even know how they find out. I I think it's like maybe uh, their wives bring them in or their PT is like, you really need to do Pilates after you're done here with me. So I think that's kind of an injury tends to lead people towards Pilates or post-injury. And with age, they also go to Pilates. So really right now, it's just about just trying to educate um, the, the strength and the lifting community that there is another option to their prehab or to their recovery work that isn't just another mobility drill or foam rolling or yoga. All those things are great. They all work. 
they're, you know, foam rolling, all that stuff. It, it's still necessary. But at the end of the day, in, in your workout, doing just one or two drills for, say, I don't know, your ankle a week isn't really going to solve your ankle mobility problem or the knee issue that is a result of your ankle problem or the shoulder or like two or three drills for your shoulder. The one day you do overhead pressing is also not going to solve the aches and pains that you have with your shoulder. If say you have a winging or tipped scapula. So I think it's more about educating people on the benefits and then it's really just getting people to try it. You know, like I've had, you know, some lifters at my gym who just come in and they'll just try a session with me or um, they'll pay for a couple of sessions. Or even when I was doing my teacher training a few years back, you know, I, I just started like handing out free, free workouts for people because I wanted them to really feel the difference. And it's not until you feel it and you're like, Oh crap, I'm actually not as strong as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my reason why I, I think I struggle with even just fitting in yoga and foam rolling, which I totally should do with my strength training program, um, is, is usually time, right? Like if I'm doing strength training, like five, six days a week, which I'm doing, and then, you know, some cardio, it's like, where do you, where do you fit it in? And so I guess my question is, if you were to make the time, like how much is enough time to really feel the benefits from it? Cause you're saying like a couple little things here and there aren't, isn't enough. So what would be kind of the gold standard for someone who's trying to really take themselves to the next level where, how many yeah. times a week would, or how long would someone have to do Pilates every day, uh, each, either each week, let's say total. for the Yeah. Week. I totally get that because you know, when I'm like training for a competition, I also, you know, I don't have time to like go to, the studio three times a week and fit in three extra hours of Pilates into my workouts. So I, I get that. And what there are a couple ways to address this. So if you are brand new to Pilates, you've never done it before. And let's say you have a little downtime in your training cycle, like you're not competing or in a meat prep or something, definitely take the time to work with a reputable instructor and not go to like one of those I hate to describe it this way, but it's kind of what it is. One of those like big scale, super cheap, like studios that have like 16 reformers in a room because you're never going to get the attention you need. So it is worth your time and your money to work with someone who's going to give you, if not one-on-one attention for a few sessions or, or, or something, but in a small group setting where you really just learn the basics, you learn the fundamentals of how to flex, extend, bend and twist your spine. You learn some of the sequence, the mat sequence, which you can do at home once you learn it. Um, and work with that person a a few times, I would say like anywhere from like five to 10 times, if you were doing say a private session so that you can really get it in your body and then start incorporating it into your regular life for someone who's adding Pilates into their routine, like as say a workout as part of their recovery, I would say a minimum of two times a week is where you want to start. And then if you do have, if you're in a cycle of your training where it's not super intense, try to go for, for three times a week. Now with that said, I realize that that can be unrealistic for some people. So what I like to do is that once I've taught someone the basics or the fundamentals of Pilates and they kind of get in their body and know some of like the exercises that they can do on the mat, not necessarily the equipment, I encourage, I give people certain exercises that they include as part of their warmup every single time. So um, I created this like free little ebook called, it was like the warmup guide. It's still on my website if anyone wants to sign up for it. Um, that includes like a specific warmup routine for a day that you're doing bench, a day that you're doing squats, a day that you're doing deadlifts. And then there's like an extra like hip and mobility, very specific Pilates warm up or recovery routine. And what I do in that is that I, I maybe sprinkle in two or three Pilates focus exercises in addition to these other dynamic um, warm up exercises that you might typically have like um, the world's greatest stretch or band walks and things like that as to keep reinforcing some of those Pilates based movements, but also make it work for their routine. Or 
I also, for those who don't want to do that, maybe have their own routine, make it as part of their recovery. Um, you know, like when you do a cool down, I got to say I'm the worst at like cooling down after a workout. Like I foam roll and I want to get out. But <laughs> when I do do a few, like the first 10 exercises of the Pilates mat sequence, and there is an order to it, so it, it shouldn't change. Um, it takes less than five minutes. I tend to address all the things that I need, which is spine, back, mo back movement. I address a lot of core activation, hip mobility, and I'm done within 10 exercises. So it really just depends on how much time you're willing to give it just to learn the fundamentals and then how you want to incorporate it into your routine, which is also another reason I created that online course because it's like short little snippets of, okay, today you need to work. You have a overhead day or you're going to be benching today. Here's this like 10 minute shoulder health or shoulder mobility Pilates routine that you can do online basically. Cool. So, um, on your website, you also have a, an, inter uh, an interesting blog with some good, some great kind of topics. And so I think the most recent one, um, which I'd love for you to explain a little bit, because one of our, our pet peeves is, uh, the use of the word toning in the oh, uh, fitness yeah. industry. <laughs> so maybe if you can say we, we've done it before, but if, if, uh, we have some new listeners or someone who hasn't listened to one of our many episodes where we talk about the annoyance of that word, um, maybe explain what tone, I guess what people think they mean by toning and what it really means and how it does affect people um, you know, when it comes to exercise. Really the yeah. only thing that, that toning should be is, is when you listen to our uh, resident dietitian Tony. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that, that should be the only true definition of, of, of toning. <laughs> you had to work no, hard for yeah. that one, Justin. <laughs> I used to, you know, I wrote that, that one. I, it was like, I was kind of just annoyed with, I never liked the word toning, but I get it, I get what it means. And I was kind of just annoyed with the industry being like, "Ugh, toning is for printers," and and let's stop talking about this lifting weights. It makes you bulky myth. Like, let's just do it, do it with it. And as trainers, like we get sick of it because we hear it all the time. But for like your regular, you know, mom or you know the career lawyer executive that comes to see you, she doesn't know any other word because she, you know, reads shape magazine and, and, and women's health. Like those are the words that they're using. So I think it really helps one from a, from the trainer side to one, let's listen to what the client is really saying. And most of the time they don't really know what they mean when they say tone up, but what toning does mean typically for women is I want to lose a little bit of body fat and I want to build some definition, but I also want to look good. Like I'm not trying to necessarily look like I'm a CrossFit athlete. I mean, I think CrossFit girls look amazing and I love that body type. But for a lot of these women, when they use the word toning, that's, that's really not what they mean. And if you ask them like, okay, can you describe that in more detail? Like, is there a celebrity that you're thinking of? Like what describe this body tone thing um they, they're not going to point to to like a power lifter they're going to point to some celebrity they saw in in the newsstand or something like that so that's what the main like the toning thing is and what it means but i think it's also important from the from women in general to start understanding that toning is just the sexy marketing version of saying building muscle because that's what it is. It's, it's probably doesn't sound as sexy as the word toning, but muscle is what creates the shape in our body. It's how we alter the shape in our bodies. And you have to train those muscles with resistance. You know, you can't just cardio your way into it. <laughs> I think you asked another question, but I forgot what it is. <laughs> no, I think that was, no, that was mostly it. Uh, but I, I guess you did mention, so I, Obviously, um, the, you know, we, we hear toning. We hear it with men and women. We hear it more with women. So mm -hmm. is for you as a trainer, do you train women different from men at all? And are there any differences that you notice that, you know, whether it's physiologically or psychologically where you find you have to have a different approach um, dealing with men, uh, men and women? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the answer is kind of yes and no. So I believe that men and women can train the same in the sense that um, – they're still going to squat. They're still going to do, you know, chin ups and rows and carries like for the most part, the movement patterns for across the board is going to be the same. 
Now, there are some fundamental differences with women and men that we need to take into consideration. And all it means is that I might emphasize something with them that I don't necessarily emphasize with with the dudes that I work with. So, so for instance, women um, just have different mobility needs than, than, than men do. And the majority of the women that come to me are really hypermobile. Um, so their problem isn't flexibility. They're problem is stability. They don't know how to control their joints, you know? So like I might make them do a stretch and they can bend all over the place. And that actually puts them in a, in a more dangerous position when they're moving because like they're just hanging out in their joints and they're locking out all crazy. I mean, if you've ever seen a super like hypermobile person, like a gymnast, you're just like, Whoa, how do you move like that? So I think that's one of the biggest differences about training women that I have to keep in mind and it's teaching more stabilities um, and also strengthening them around their hips. Now I know all of my, all of my girls are like down with this because they're like, yes, butt exercises make my butt look great. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing, but I kind of disguise it in sexy butt exercises, but we're really just working the muscles around the hip most of the time. And when you think about, how structurally how women are built and I'm not talking about every woman but I would say the majority is you know we might be a little knock kneed than than men are um we for childbearing reasons our hormones change which then you know have an effect in how flexible and bendy our our ligaments get over time and depending different cycles and phases in your life um and then there's there they, they just require because of those things. And this is like pre baby, you know, never mind after having a baby, there's like a whole host of things to think about, but they were women just tend to require a little more hip strengthening work, a lot of single leg work. We do a lot of lateral bend walk band walking, um, and a lot of stability and control over their joints because they're so prone to, to, to injury. Like think about, ACL injuries, I read somewhere today that those injuries have gone up like 900% since the 70s, which is insane to me. But then again, women are girls are playing more sports than ever. And but because of how they're built structurally, the way that they jump or the way that they land just puts them at greater risk for these injuries. You also have to think about how women dress differently than men like we love our high heels for the most part we're gonna keep wearing them or maybe we're required to wear them all day for work reasons and that already puts it at a huge disadvantage like I get so many women who are really stiff around their ankle and then they have like you know different like uh, an interior pelvic tilt and they're kind of just always living in this like sort of this functional pattern that's been building for years and years and years and years. So those are things I just have to address differently with, with women. I'm not necessarily going to spend, you know, give as many of say like band exercises for the hip or something, um, and do as many clamshells that I might do with a, a female client as I would do with a guy for a guy. I just, I, I focus a little bit differently. It just depends on them. Awesome. So, Trish, where can we find you? Where can we reach you? I know you have a website, and I'm sure you have some cool social media stuff as well. And then you have a uh, new product that's out, correct? Yeah. So there are a couple ways to find me. So you can head over to my website. It's called barbellpilates.com. Um, there we have weekly, I have weekly content. I put out a new blog post every single week, um, and you can sign up for my newsletter there or download any of like the little freebies I have. So you can get on the list and you'll always know about new products and services. The way to reach me like in fast time um, or find me is on Instagram. I'm there a lot. Um, I love Instagram and that is at Trish D fit. Um, and that's kind of where I post a lot of things and where I can answer messages really quickly. And, um, yeah, in terms if people are interested in exploring, um, Pilates and how it, it can really benefit their, their training, um, they can sign up for my, I have a free, like three part series, like video series on my website where they can get three free videos. There's one on spine, there's one on hip mobility. And I forget what the other one is. I think it's core. 
it's core activation. And it's really teaching you the very foundation or foundational principles of Pilates and how it relates to, to, to your lifting and strength purposes. And they're like little mini workouts to reinforce those lessons. And then from there, if they, if they, if they're into it, I do have uh, the online course called Pilates flow wad, and it includes those three foundation videos. And there's several other videos and, and little workouts that teach you, um, Pilates and it focuses, you know, like maybe on hips and then core and then, you know, shoulder and pelvic health. And then towards, towards the end, you have more, um, comprehensive workouts that are like for beginners that are full length, intermediate level a foam rolling, um, Pilates workout that they can do. So it just makes it really accessible for you to treat, use Pilates as your accessory, um, or recovery work. And you can do it directly from home. You have access to it for life. And right now it's actually on sales. So it's a perfect time to get it. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, Trish, thank you so much for coming on the Gym Wits. Uh, that was uh, actually really enlightening. I didn't know very much about Pilates. I don't know if um, a lot of our listeners uh, know very much about it or how many of them participate in Pilates, but that was excellent. And I'm glad that we had you on. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I love talking about this topic, clearly. <laughs> but um, And I definitely want you know as many people to at least give it a shot um, or try Pilates on their own because it's so beneficial you know, for just like your longevity in any sport, any activity that you do. So even if you're not a lifter, I mean, you'll still get a lot of benefit from it. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on The Gym Wits. Thank you. This was fun. So before we get into the the discussion about Pilates uh, and the really cool interview that we just had, I've been having my own version of, of Ryan's first world problem of forgetting his passwords. I've been having so many technical issues today with my equipment. I have a, a, bo- a mixing board that I've been using, and I feel like channels on my board have been blown out, which means I can't use them, and I've been trying to troubleshoot. So that's also a bit of a first world problem, the fact that I have all this cool equipment, and it makes recording much easier uh, for those who don't know. Um, before say, uh, you know, 25 years ago, when you recorded something, it was a a, a much more difficult process, right? Was, um, I guess there was digital recording for a while, but it, w- it was much more complicated. You had, uh, equipment was much bigger, and before computers recorded everything, you had to record to some sort of big piece of equipment, whether it was tape or... Uh, or something along those lines, and it was to set something to record took uh, a lot of time and was was very expensive. And now we're all able to do our podcast. All you need is a <laughs> is the recorder on your phone, and you can just up you know upload your audio, and that's all you need. And it used to be difficult. So I've been dealing with my version of that all day, and it's just been driving me crazy. So Ryan, I feel your pain. Um, with the passwords, um, so that's that. But about uh, Pilates, I didn't know that it was actually a guy's name. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew that. I'm surprised. I, I, guess, I guess so. I guess you wouldn't know if you were, I mean, you were not in writer. it. Yeah, so I've heard, yeah, like I've heard about what Joseph Pilates or whatever it is, so that kind of, yeah, I'd heard about that for, for a while. Now, I first heard of Pilates when I was in high school. Right, because uh, I don't. Uh, Ryan and we used to read them as well, but we would buy the the magazines, you know, Flex magazine, um, maybe even Men's Health on occasion. And I remember seeing a, an article about how the NBA star Jason Kidd used Pilates. And at the time, I was like, I just, I had sort of heard it, but I didn't know what it was, and I still didn't really know what it was after reading the article, but that's how I became aware of it for the first time, and I don't know how long Pilates have been popular for, and I, cer- I certainly had my uh, conception about it that it was something that more women did, and it was a more low impact, and I know that starting to change as a lot of uh, professional athletes are doing it. Uh, and after and after listening to this interview, it's something that I would really like to get into because I know I, I know I'm probably not going to to do yoga seriously ever. I don't like stretching, even though I should. And I'm just as I mentioned, I'm ripe for for an injury. Something is going to happen. 
And if I can mitigate this or prehab or whatever it is, I think it's something that I'm going to get into. Ryan, do you think you would ever want to go into that? But you do a lot of, you're pretty good with stretching, right? So do you think it's something that you would need to do? Um, I, I see the value in it. And like I said, I haven't done it before. I, I would like to do it. Uh, it's finding the time for me. That's the main thing. Yeah, I, I don't. Fi- I don't stretch enough. Even when I, I teach cl- plenty of classes and I lead stretches, and I still don't stretch. So, I need to kind of. I do need to get a handle on that because I think as as you get older, the body needs those modalities that kind of help you restore yourselves and recover and and kind of correct certain imbalances and and really kind of teach you control. And so I would like to do it. Uh, it might be one of those things I may have to just like bite the bullet and do one-on-one training in order to really get that done because I just I have a hard time com- kind of committing the time to something like that. Now I know Tony. It seemed like something you were very interested in as well. Well, the thing that she said that really kind of felt like okay, this is something I could do and it's realistic is incorporating it in my warm-up or in- and cool down. I think that would really work because when we did the episode with the yoga instructor with Crystal. That motivated me and wanted to inspire me to put yoga back into my routine because I'm not doing a great job at fitting in my recovery days. I'm gonna like my recovery days are either usually a walk or I'm off. I'm not doing foam rolling, I'm not stretching or doing yoga like I should. Um, so it's something that I've been thinking about incorporating since then. So it's definitely on top of my mind right now. It's just a matter of figuring out when and getting the discipline to just do it because it's important. It's very important. Yeah, well, that's. It. I, I think we all see the kind of value in it, and that hopefully we get uh, we'll get around to incorporating it because I think uh, my, you know, me ten years from now will will appreciate it if I can start. It's better to get get a head start on it than than to do it because you have to or because a doctor says you have to. All right, well, that's it. Um, as usual, all of our stuff is at thegymwits.com. Uh, social media can be found there or on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, definitely check us out. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't downloaded the Gymwits app, uh, download the Gymwits app. Um, leave your reviews. Uh, we're everywhere. So you know, try to try to be wherever podcasts are. And if, if we're not, then let us know and we'll, we'll find a way there. So uh, that is it. Tony, where can people find you? On Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, mostly Instagram and Facebook. Tips with Tony. That's Tony with an I. Cool. All right. Well, I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And I'm Tony Marinucci, your registered dietitian, helping you get healthy one bite at a time. And we are the Gym Wits. Gym Wits.